Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast episode 26. Um, awesome uh, to have Alex from Team Metal Athletics, uh, Athletics sorry, Team Metal Athletics back on with me for uh, the fourth time. Uh, how are you doing, Alex? You well? You well? I'm good. I just realized I'm like one in six of your podcasts are me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's the fourth time. That's right. So, but yeah, yeah. They've, all been, they've all been really good. We've had some good feedback and I actually had a message um, just saying that they were looking forward to having you back on because we have good, um, we have a good back and forth. So that's nice. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So we will start with the first question. The, 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 the topic of today's podcast is going to be to do with um, the pros and cons, the sort of the perks and the negatives of coaching in general. And we're going to be discussing what it's like to be a coach, some of the trials and tribulations we have. Okay. So first question is, do you have a typical starting point for intake of new clients? Uh, yeah, I do. Actually, I have, I have an intake form that's pretty generic, but it's pointed towards getting specific information from people that I can kind of, you know, extrapolate out and get, get more from, but there's a, uh, I don't know how many questions it is. I'd say it's 15 to 20 questions that look something like, um, your statistics, your background in health, uh, any, uh, medications that you're on, your dietary likes and dislikes, dietary issues and tolerances, allergies, um, and then it starts focusing on goals. And from there, I, I typically go back and forth with them trying to figure out more about their goals. That's, that's really where I'm at in the beginning is I want to figure out uh, how serious they are and um, if they really actually have goals or if they're just like spinning their wheels and don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. How um, specific are you when it comes to goals? Because this is something that sort of bit me in the butt in the past. Um, what what are you looking for? Are you looking for hard numbers or are you looking for just um, like a goal to compete next year? It's nothing really about numbers. It's more, I want to see what their mindset is. And so I'll take people that are everywhere from weight loss to general health to competition and their goals should be pretty vastly different if they're a weight loss client versus a competitive client. Although the, the process of getting them there isn't going to, it's going to overlap quite a bit with those two types of people. You're going to see similarities in the, in, in a protocol, but um, the mindset's really important and figuring out if somebody is going to be better with a more ro robotic, um, straightforward plan, or if they're going to need more massaging or more flexibility. Um, you know, right from the beginning, I want to see it's, it, I, I hesitate to call it how serious they are, but it's more um, kind of, how desperate they are at that point. Like how, how badly do they really want to do what they say they want to do? Because let's face it, reaching a difficult goal is not going to be easy. And there's likely going to be a, an inflection point pretty early on where you're like, uh, this is work. It goes beyond, you know, Oh, it's just a good plan. It's easy to having to make a commitment to making it work. And so that's what I'm looking for is I'm really trying to figure out if, if they have the mindset to commit to something. Yeah. I've, uh, I went for a much more specific route just because I, I have been bitten with general ones in the past. Um, I had a client recently who said he wanted to be the best version of himself. And uh, I, I kind of know what that means to me. And I know the kind of effort level it requires, but I think the reality hit quite hard in terms of what he needed to do. Um, and he didn't, he didn't last very long. Um, so that I sounds like a very individual question, right? Like a very yes. generic answer. Mm, yeah. It yeah. could mean anything. 
best version of myself could be like, like not very good. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. <laughs> you could have very low goals. Um, right. So that, that ended up by, I think biting me in the book because he just wasn't able to release even a, a basic training schedule, uh, which was quite disappointing in the end. But um, right. I, think, I think ultimately, I think the idea of being the best he could be probably sounded better than the reality of where it took to get there. Yeah, he saw it pinned on an Instagram post and then yeah. saw your text and said, I'm going to reach out to this dude. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, it's, as we know, it's not that easy. I know. So it, in terms of your back and forths, um, what are we looking at? Sort of three or four emails back and forth? Uh, how much time are you spending on this type of a consultation? Um, it, anything from a few quick, quick discussions to um, a pretty, pretty longer, pretty much like a, like a longer back and forth. Like if somebody is, if somebody says right off the bat, I want to become a pro bodybuilder, you're going to have a long discussion with them because mm-hmm. first of all, you want to figure out if they're capable of it, yeah. um, physically capable of it. And I'll give them a very honest, not necessarily accurate because who knows if somebody is really capable of it, but it's my honest interpretation of what they could how quickly they could do it, if they could do it, how competitive they'd be at the top. And we really don't know all of that until somebody gets going. Mm-hmm. But um, there are people that clearly don't have it, and it's in everybody's best interest to point that out right away. Yeah. Um, so those things can take back and forth quite a bit. For somebody that's just looking for weight loss or looking for um, like a nonspecific uh, deadline and wants to be healthier, maybe they've had health issues, things like that. It can be fairly quick back and forth. Um, what I try not to do is give specifics uh, of what I intend to do with them without diving in deeper into what they have done. So a lot of people want to know what, what type of plan do you do? What type of diet do you like to do? What type of, you know, how do you train? How do you do this? What do you, you know, what would you do if this happened, if that happened? And I, I consider that to be, um, off limits questions before we actually dive into what they've been doing for quite a while. So, um, the, the, the initial consultation is, is really just to get, make sure they're healthy, make, or if they're not healthy, get them to the doctor immediately to figure out how to, how to handle it. Because some people don't, they don't go. Um, and from there figure out if they're, if they're viable for me. So if we're, if we're going to be a partnership, if it's going to work. Just one more question on that. Um, just a practical question. Are you taking payment before you do this consultation or afterwards? Cause I've, I, when I first started, I was doing my consultations prior and I ended up wasting a lot of time with, with time wasters, um, spending a lot of time with back and forth and ultimately just it not going anywhere. What, what are your thoughts? On what, that? I, what I typically do is I'll send the intake form. I'll make sure they fill it out in, in completion. Um, I want details. So if they send it back and it's half-assed, I ask them for more details. Hmm. And I, as soon as they've truly filled out the form, you know, fleshed out their diet, you know, you'll say diet and some people will write a sentence. Hmm. I eat three meals a day. Here's what, here's what it is. And it's like eggs in the morning, this and that. There's no, there's no amounts, right? There's nothing. Hmm. Yeah. So I tell those people to take pictures of their meals for three days and send them to me, what they eat for three days, every single thing they put in their mouth. And they're like, most people are like, what? Hmm. But that's yeah. what I ask them to do. And this is before I take any payment. I just want to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I want them to commit to, to at least, you know, giving me the information before we talk about actually working together. Mm-hmm. As soon as they do that, I'll give them my terms and my payment, which are on my website as well. Although they've changed a little bit recently. 
I need to get that changed on the site. But anyway, it's uh, I give them my terms right away. Um, and I would say 90% of the time they'll just pay then they'll choose one of the terms and pay then. And we, we can, and I won't start billing them until they have their plan in their hands. So there could be a back and forth of three or four days to a week before they actually have the plan. Um, and oh, that's yeah. when, that's when their terms start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do, I do the same thing in that respect as well, but I, I typically take payment before just because I've, I've had quite a few consultations. I think this is kind of where you and I differ in terms of our intake as well. I, yeah. I tend to get a lot more casual, um, non-competitors uh, uh, i get all of it yeah mm, i do mm, yeah um i i just i i don't want to take anyone's payment that i'm going to send back mm-hmm, yeah uh and I, there there's a lot of people and i'm not saying a lot lot but maybe 20 percent of the people I, I either uh refer them to another coach or i suggest that possibly they don't need coaching yeah, yeah. um the rest of them typically are have already a lot of people when they reached out to you they've already pretty much decided they're going to go with you mm-hmm. um for whatever reason, they might have a good reason. They might not. Maybe it's a referral. Maybe it's, they've been watching you, whatever it is. Um, but most of them, I would say seem to have already made up their mind and are ready to pay, but I'm just feeling them out initially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then some of them I'm like, okay, well, why don't you go see, you know, like I've sent people to Chris Tuttle. Um, Chris is extremely methodical and very, um, kind of robotic with his plans. And some people are very suited for that. And so I've sent people to John Irizarry because they're vegan or they're, they're interested in other things. And, um, and I thought he was a better fit. I've sent people to other coaches just because I think they're a better fit or because frankly, I'm not sure I'm, I'm a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people, I just, I ask point blank, why, why are you seeking out a coach? You know, it doesn't seem like you really actually need one. Yeah. Um, and that'll happen, but that's 20, maybe 25% of the people that, that reach out. And then the rest of them, I feel like they've already really decided. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's great. Um, so moving on to the next question, I kind of on the back of that, once you have established a starting point and you're, you're happy that, you know, you want to work with this client, do you vet the new clients? Do you ask for references, et cetera? What are you looking for? I, I don't specifically ask for references from them, but I do often reach out to people they know that I, that are mutual if I know anybody hmm. and, and I'll just ask them for, like a brief um, opinion on whether or not they're, you know, a good candidate for coaching. Um, if they knew that they were looking for me, looking at me and if what, you know, what, why they, why they thought that was, um, you know, just general, like, does this person stick to their goals? What's their personality like? Stuff like that. I'll have a short conversation with people that are maybe mutual friends. Um, but really what I'm doing to vet clients is, is to challenge them to give me as much information as not, as they can. That's, that's kind of my process mm-hmm. is if somebody like some people will send me, I had a guy maybe two months ago, um, sent me an Excel spreadsheet of everything he'd eaten in the last three months <laughs> nice. and it was to the gram. And I looked at it and go, okay, well you're, you're doing that even better than I would do it. <laughs> so I think we're fine there, you know, and he was already like, like, you know, supplements down to the, down to the pill and everything that was all, you know, by the day in this Excel spreadsheet. So he was already well-programmed for him. It was just a matter of um, kind of oversight and maybe changing some of the dietary principles. Like we, we actually went to keto from a um, carb cycling diet and he dropped about 12 pounds of fat in about two months. So it was, it was pretty, 
he's pretty much ready. I mean, he's not competing, but he's pretty much ready if he wanted to compete in the next six weeks, if, he, if, he, uh, if we wanted to do that. Um, but yeah, so a guy like that, as soon as he sent that, I knew he was, he was good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, they'll fill out the form and it's, it's barely even filled in. Um, and so some of those people I'm, I'm looking for, you know, because what's going to happen is two or three weeks in, a month in, we should have eight check-ins by a month in, and I'll have two from some of those people. It's frustrating. Yeah. Well, there's just no point in having me there. Yeah. You know, it's not useful. I'm not useful to them. Why do they, why are they paying money? So I, I want to circumvent that. I'm not just trying to grab people's, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to find that's ultimately more frustrating, more tiring for me when I have those type of clients. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. for me to write a first plan, I spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, and it might look like it's simple to do and like I'm just kind of winging it, but it's, it's nothing like that. Mm. You know, it, it's, it takes me several days to do. So the initial first month that I'm doing with somebody, I'm not really making the profit level that I'd want to. So if they're gone in a month, it's, it's a break even proposition. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. It's, there's a lot of time and effort. I know that, yeah, uh, so. I know that 3DMJ, the Eric Helms crew, they actually charge a lot more in the first month for basically yeah. for that reason. Yeah. I've thought about doing that. What I typically do is I'll, uh, here she comes. My, my daughter's waking up. <laughs> I see her like, peeking around the corner. What I'll typically do is, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. You were saying they take more, more in the first couple months. Yeah. What 3D I, MJ, do, yeah. I ask for three months. I do a three months. Okay. <laughs> you, can use, you can use the iPad, but I need to be in here alone. Can you go in the other room? Can you go over there? I'll go over there. You stay here. <laughs> so I'll take like a three month term to start. And if they disappear in a month, that's, that's on them. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the next question, this is something that I find I'm going to talk about a little bit because I find it um, probably one of the more frustrating parts of my job. I, despite my oddly, despite my reputation in uh, my hometown, I actually don't take on that many competitors. I have a lot of non-competitive clients and right. a large part of my job is trying to figure out the psychology of their eating and why they're not following the plan. And that's really right. a large part of some of the clients that I work with and trying to figure out how they can stick to a plan, how they can actually stick to that plan accurately. And, you know, it may seem, you know, very sort of, uh, it may seem sort of very obvious for, for coaches, for people like you and I who are used to all the macro approach, but trying to basically explain to them how to do an eating approach, whether that's a meal plan or whether that's a macro plan. So a lot of my clients, I struggle with them not following the plan. And that's yeah. a lot of my biggest issues, particularly with my gen pop clients. Um, so now with, with my clients like, um, well, obviously your ex-client Jason and uh, one of my clients recently, Kat, I know for a fact they're following the plan to a T. And when they do that, it becomes a very gratifying job for me because I can see the results of my, of my actions you know, quite, right, quite straightforward. Right. But with a lot of my clients who are gen pop, it really is a case of initially just getting the numbers right because I can see straight away that what's being said is being eaten. Like, okay, I've been eating 1,200 calories every day and I've lost – like, I don't know, 0.1 of a kilo. It's not true. It's not going to happen. Um, so there's a lot who just don't understand how to do that or just don't follow the plan or just don't write things down. That becomes, a, that becomes more of my job than actually creating changes and actually doing the, the, the you know, right. seeing the result of what I do. So how many, the next question for you is how many clients do you believe don't follow the plan? 
Uh, more than half. Hmm. Um, so I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly, but here's, here's my breakdown. I've got a handful of people who, um, absolutely follow the plan. And it's very obvious. Um, typically they're the ones that'll call me or text me to tell me they've eaten like 30 extra grams of carbs, mm-hmm. you know, something, something almost meaningless in the grand scheme. And they're going to tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not beat themselves up, but just be like, Hey, I went over or I went hypo or whatever. And I had to have this, and you know, and then we'll, we'll discuss it. And, um, a lot of times those guys are checking in quite a bit too. So you're getting like constant pictures, constant, you know, every three days, four days, I tell people they can check in as often as they want. Just text me when you check in. I have a form. So I've got years of data on some people where they can check in, keep, keep training logs, keep food logs, keep everything on their own page and just ping me and say, there's new pictures up, take a look. Um, so if you want to have constant supervision, you can have that. And the people that I find that, that look for two, three times a week, um, they're following the plan because they're telling you everything they're doing. You're seeing everything everywhere. And they're, they're telling you, I ate a burger. I ate this, I ate that, you know, but you can see that it's just a burger. It's not a burger here. And then some, you know, Doritos and then some other things. And then, Oh, a croissant in the morning. And you know, it's not, and then I skipped a meal. So then I had this instead or I ate extra. So I did extra cardio, but didn't tell you about it, all that stuff. Um, so I'd say more than half of the people that I, I find are not checking in constantly and, um, you know, the check-ins from one of the next don't look very different. Yeah. Um, there's, it's pretty much like, Hey, I'm status quo. I'm at this weight. People will eat to their, their body will eat to maintain what they're at. I mean, I know it for a fact because I've been doing it for years. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've been, uh, yep, yep. I've, I haven't been tracking what I've been doing and I only, when I really push, I'll lose any weight. And then when I don't for a while, I'll just stay where I am. You know, and then if I get real sloppy, I'll gain weight. But usually, most of the time, I'm just I'm just homeostasis. Well, that is um, the that's the sort of the concept of having a settling point. Is it's more yes. related to psychological desires yes. and activity levels than it is to anything else. I it has everything to do with the psychological mm. the psychological desires. It has everything to do with that mm-hmm. because like, you know you can push for three or four days and you make some progress and then it hurts and you, your body tells you uh, make that stop hurting. Mm-hmm. So that might just be like, don't do the cardio or don't be as active, or it might be like, um, eat something more or, Hey, just add a few carbs to this meal and this meal and this meal. And then that's just every meal. Um, so a lot of my job like yours is to figure out what type of plan, whether it should be flexible or inflexible is going to make them most capable of following. So some people, they don't want options. They don't want to know that you can have, you know, you can sub chicken with turkey, with shellfish, with whitefish, with egg whites. They don't want to know that at all. <laughs> they just want to, t- they want you to tell them which one to eat, how much of it, and they're good. And so I have, I have guys like that and, and, and one girl who I've had for years who just get mad if I give them options. Like they'll call me and say, I'm going out to eat. What should I get? Here's the menu. You know, and I'll and I'll just pick off the menu for them. Just off off that sort of, um, do you see it as your job to teach them how to be more flexible over the course of a range of years, or do you are you happy just to go with that restrictive approach? And that's quite a big question. For, for that type of person, I I don't I think they have anxiety that's related to it. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a matter of education. I think it's a matter of comfort. Mm-hmm. And so like an OCD person is, or, or I'm not diagnosing, but somebody that has those, uh, you know, those leanings will feel more comfortable just knowing what they should be getting. Mm-hmm. Um, for the other, you know, large population of people who do want to be more flexible or need to be more flexible, I think it's impossible to work with me and not know how to do that after a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's pretty straightforward. I'll, I'll list like meal one, here's your macros and here's your food options, protein, fat, carbs. And I tell people they have to figure out for themselves how many grams of, you know, oats it's going to take to get 40 grams of carbs. Yeah. If they're going to choose bread over oats, then they need to choose these breads and you have to figure out for yourself how much it is. And then if they're not making progress, I want pictures of the food because I want to see that they're, they're measuring properly. I can look at a bowl of oats and tell you if it's, you know, a cup and a half or if it's three quarters of a cup. So, you know, so, and if I'm going to pour a bowl of oats and not, and not measure, it's going to be a cup and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the clearest things from the research is that there is a large amount of underreporting of food. Um, I had a client, I had a client who worked with me for a little while and uh, she swore blind. She was eating only 800 calories. Once I taught her to do the macros and calories and things, she swore blind. She's eating only 800 calories per day. Okay. Now, she actually gained weight that week. <laughs> so it's, you know, physiologically impossible. Um, now, what she was actually doing was she was writing down her calories at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, so I got her to get a phone out every single time she was eating. So yeah. I put that into my fitness pal. Turns out she's eating 2,400 calories per day. So it was quite amazing. That's quite, that's quite, a, uh, quite a span. It's quite a, quite a discrepancy, yeah. But I, I find with the, with the type... So a question to you is regarding underreporting. How many of your your clients are coming through and you're having to basically teach them from the ground up. Cause I'm getting, I get a lot of those. Um, not, not a ton. Yeah. I, I'm not the majority. I, I thought um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Not the majority. I, I think the majority of people who come to me, I, I would, I would say half of them have competed. Mm-hmm. So they've had, they've had some interaction with this. The other half have not. And then out of those, out of those, half of those don't want to. Yeah. I think this okay, is, so there's, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, de- I'm heavily weighted towards, cause because I came off the forums mostly when I started and, and a lot of the people on there wanted to compete or were competing. So that, that's where I was, you know, gleaning clients. And then I was getting referrals from those people to other people who were like them. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I'm not in a gym setting. I'm not, I don't set up an office in a gym anywhere. I, I pretty much train like stealth mode by myself at odd hours at gyms where they give me keys. And so, you know, I just go when I, when I'm not going to see many people usually. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sitting around trying to get clients at gyms. A lot of them know who I am. Maybe a lot of them don't. I'm not really sure. I've, I never really set out to have local clients. That was a major thing in the beginning when I started eight or nine years ago, it was not, um, a goal of mine to have local clients. That's going to change next year. As, as I was telling you, I'm going to have a mm-hmm. store and, uh, and, and it's going to be attached to a gym that we're partnering in. So um, there's going to be a lot more face-to-face stuff with me going forward. But um, to this point, I've, I wouldn't say I've avoided it, but I just, I didn't advertise that I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people coming to me who were just weight loss people were, probably saw my Instagram, saw some of my weight loss clients and maybe they saw me on the forums and they, you know, but usually it's not the case. So as far as bringing people up to speed on like how to measure and, and, and deal with food, almost never. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the the biggest differences between your clientele and mine. I that tends to be the majority of the people I get coming through. So they've seen yeah. somebody do a great transformation um, based off of that, and it's a friend, it's a coworker, for example, and they come to me with with really pretty much zero effective. Um, experience yeah. with, with doing macros and that kind of stuff so that tends to be this is why i was saying earlier that tends to be a large part of my job is to get them to the point where they're understanding exactly what they're well, eating so i think I'll, I'll tell you what i'm going to do is because when i open that store i am going to get a lot more of that hmm. and i've already thought it through and i and, and what i'm going to do is is have classes for like beginners intermediates where like food prep classes yeah. and i'm, I'm going to literally like make a week's worth of meals and show them how to do it how to measure it how to deal with different types of foods, what kind of options, stuff like that. So I'll charge for the class. I don't know what, but yeah. people can come and sit down and learn how to food prep um, yeah. because it's, it's like square one. You have to learn how to do it. Excellent. Absolutely. I, the way I do that is through my Instagram. So I have, uh, at the moment, I'm up to three meal prep series where I take people from literally the supermarket to the final product. Uh, yeah. They can, they can see that for free on my Instagram. But uh, yeah, it's, it's still definitely one of the ones that I, I, I tend to spend a lot of time on. But in any case, let's uh, go on to the next question. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with miscommunication or no communication? Um, so miscommunication would be like, like omitting information or lying about it. Yeah. And, and no communication is obviously no contact, um, off plan probably, and no word about it. Mm -hmm. or complete ghosting and then showing back up saying, yeah, sorry, I ghosted you. <laughs> uh, I had one of those today. It was, sorry, I ghosted <laughs> you. Um, I'm in the middle of a divorce, this and that. And uh, we started like uh, six weeks ago. So I was like, no, I get it. It's no problem. So it's, a, it, it's individual by individual. Um, what I typically do is I remind them of what they told me their goals was. Yeah. Um, that's number one. I remind them, you told me you wanted to do this and this, is that still the case? Um, or has, have your goals changed? Um, and so if their goals have changed, if the goalpost has changed, yeah, I no longer want to compete. You know, I just want to be healthy. Then I ask them, do you think you still require coaching? And it, you know, they might be like, yes, I want to, you know, I want to be tight still on this or no, I'm not really sure. Or what wishy-washy, oh, I got a bunch of vacations coming up. I'm not sure what I want to do. Um, what I'll usually do for those people is um, I'll offer to suspend their terms until they're ready. Hmm. So, you know, if somebody's, we're halfway into their terms, uh, I'm, I'm not going to refund them just because they decided not to do it, but I will suspend it until they're ready and they can come back and, and rededicate themselves at any point. Um, but I think a lot of it is reminding people that they came to you. Um, that they said they wanted to do this and then just making sure that that's what they, that they, they still want to do. And then the second half of it is uh, kind of reinforcing that you can't do anything for them effectively if they're not communicative. Um, so it's a struggle with some people always, yep. always. And a lot of times they'll, they'll reach back out and say, yeah, I've been completely on plan. Everything's great. And they lost like a few pounds or they look tighter and you're like, wow, you really have. Why wouldn't you just throw up an update? You know, so I, I just stress to people that it's, it's really hard to, really hard to do the job if you're not having consistent contact. I tell everybody in prep that I'm just going to crawl up their ass because there's no, there's nowhere, for, you know, nowhere that I'm going to be able to do my job other than like, like waking up to a text from me, basically, yeah. you know, more or less every few days, it's like, okay, 
do these, do this for two days, send me pictures, let's talk in the morning, you know? And that's, that's pretty much what we're doing the whole entire prep. So there's, there's no real like guideline, like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, or Monday, Monday, Sunday, Monday to Monday, whatever, like in terms of check-ins, it's, it's really just manipulating um, what they need and checking in as often as, as I think I need to see something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the no communication thing is the hardest one. Um, and it's actually really common after shows. It's really strange. It's like the, the, the week before the show, they're talking all about their goals, everything they want to do, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen next, how excited they are about it, everything. Right. And then the show happens and it's like nothing. Hmm. You can win the show. You could lose the show. It doesn't, it almost, almost doesn't matter. I have to figure out a way to do this better actually. Cause like maybe I should offer some sort of a post-show package. I don't know where, you know, where it's like, okay, you're getting this, this, and this, this type of support. Here's what you can expect. I, I don't, ha- I usually try to talk to people about it, but I haven't really dealt with that. And a lot of people just kind of disappear. They do a month or two, three months, and then they show back up. Um, so it's, and then some people never do show back up and, you know, like maybe they didn't like something about the experience and it would be better for me if I, if I got kind of a, an exit interview from yeah, that, of course, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I, I haven't done that. So I, I think the toughest part of no communication is, is me as post-show. Um, yeah. I'm also like super invested. People don't realize how invested I am yeah. and yeah. like in their results and not, not just their results, but like where they're going to go next, what's going to happen next for them. And it's like, it's really hard for me to be, uh, to back off and just be like, okay, well, enjoy your week, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I, yeah, sort of just to interject with, with my experience on this, I think this is another one of the sort of more frustrating parts of the job for me because me, I'm, I'm not as experienced as a coach as you are, but so I see every new client as a learning opportunity for myself as well. So I, yeah. I have a plan for people and I, I want to see the plan through and then I want to be able to evaluate to kind of move on it and sort of learn from that myself because I, yeah. I believe if I can work with a wider range of people, it kind of helps me. So I've, I've had sort of no communications before and then just trailing off into nothing. And for me, that is, I don't think people kind of realize just how invested you do become with them and sort of what a plan you've got for each of my clients. I have a rough idea in my head of where I want them to be a year from now, six months from now because I, you know, I have my notes on them and I don't think people really get the fact that your coach isn't there just week to week. Like they, if you have a good coach who cares about you, they really want to see you as a final product and they have not an exact idea how to get there. Cause that always depends, you know, week to week, month to month, but they have a rough idea of how they want to get you there. And, uh, I think there's this sort of, you know, this idea that, well, uh, you know, if we just cut communication and I'll just carry on with my life, but there's actually quite a lot that goes into it. Um, so it, it is a shame when clients choose to just break off communication and then just, that's it. You get nothing from them. It would I be think nice. a lot of it is fatigue. Hmm. I think a lot of it is fatigue. It's like, uh, not just physical, but like an emotional fatigue hmm. and possibly a coach represents, uh, all the hard work and everything they put into it and they're fatigued from that work. And they're just like, I'm going to push away from that for a minute. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of what I felt like it was in the past, but it's, you're right. It's, it's, it becomes a kind of a personal moment for, for the coach where he's like, uh, did I handle it right? You know? Mm, Yeah. So that's definitely, that's definitely the case. I I think even if people want to leave as well, I think just a general, you know, thanks coach. This was good. Goodbye kind of thing. But I've had, um, I had one client last year who 
we we were discussing and there's something to do with his data and he wasn't logging correctly um so it wasn't really matching up and you know alex you've you've seen this before yeah. if yeah. the data doesn't match with what the body weight's doing something's the matter and we got to that point where we were kind of discussing this and fleshing us out and it was clearly he was doing something wrong or not reporting something turns out he wasn't reporting something but in his case rather than fatigue i think it was just embarrassment so it came out yeah. he was he was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing he wasn't really reporting it and then done zero uh no contact from uh, uh, text, nothing on Instagram, and just gone. Never heard from the guy again. And uh, I thought that was that was massively disappointing because he was talking the talk of somebody who wanted to compete. He yeah. just he just couldn't he, he just couldn't get his shit together. And in the end, yeah. I think it was probably embarrassment. Yeah, it it could be the case. I have a funny story about that actually. Um, one of my clients' clients who ended up winning an overall this year and winning a class last year. He was like pretty good bodybuilder. Um, through his first prep, he was halfway into the prep and the coach figured out that he was drinking grape juice daily, like at all his meals. And he didn't, the, the guy didn't realize, like, he was like, I don't know, is grape juice bad? You know? And, <laughs> but it's bad if it's <laughs> so not on the plan. <laughs> they, they pulled the, they pulled the grape juice out and uh, like abracadabra got super yeah. tight. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was funny cause it was kind of like a miscommunication off plan, you know, <laughs> type of thing. And, but that one was dealt with well. I mean, it wasn't like, I, you know, imagine, imagine you tell them, oh, you can't drink that. And they get embarrassed and then they don't talk. To <laughs> I, I had one, I, I had one when I was first starting off actually. And uh, we had, he just, he decided he wanted a meal plan. Despite my recommendations, he really wanted a meal plan. So I gave him a meal plan and uh, his weight was flying up, like really, really fast, like, like a kilo a week. Yeah. And I, said, I said to him, are you sure you're eating the meal plan? He said, yep, I'm definitely eating the meal plan. And so next week, his weight flew up another kilo. And I was like, dude, are you eating the meal plan? He's like, yeah. I said, are you eating anything else? And he said, well, I've, I end the night with chocolates and I have some beer on the weekend. But yeah, I'm eating the meal plan. <laughs> like, holy shit, that's not oh, the best. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's eating the plan. He's just eating a whole bunch of stuff on top of it as well. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, got to, we got to the bottom of that. But. Okay. So let's move on to the next question. Um, is it harder to coach someone who competes or doesn't? Um, this will be interesting to get your answer on this, you know, based on what we were talking about earlier with um, the, potentially the difference with my clients and yours. So it'd be interesting to hear your opinion on this. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, this is a tough one. It's harder to, to coach somebody who doesn't compete and only because they don't have the absolute petrifying thought of being in their underwear on stage to keep them up. <laughs> Yes, true. But other than that, everything that goes into prepping somebody is much more work. It's, it's a lot more time intensive and much more work, but it's not actually harder to get results. It's easier to get results because they're locked in. Um, with the minority of people who are not locked in and end up quitting, which is, I don't know, 20 to 30% of the people. Um, and you know, not necessarily quitting, but dropping out of that show can be, can fall under quitting. Uh, but some of them just flat out quit. Some of them just flat out continually. Uh, so this is, this is where it's hard. This is the hard people who compete. The ones who will hit you up and say, can I get in shape in this much time? Mm-hmm. Can I do it? And you go, yes, you have no room for error, but yes, you can do it. It can be done. And they go, okay, I'll do anything it takes. Let's do it. And then before you know it, it's, hey, there's a road trip with the boys. How do I prepare for it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, you, I don't care what I should say and what I'm going to start saying is don't even tell me about your road trip with the boys. I don't want to know about it. 
just follow the plan. If you cannot follow the plan when you're on a road trip with the boys, don't go. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Don't pay me hundreds of dollars to prep you and then decide that maybe there's another way you can do this. Just do it. If you're, I mean, I got guys that are on the road every weekend, four days a week, um, who prep their foods and never say anything about it. They're in a hotel half the time. And I don't, we don't even talk about it because that's their lifestyle. That's what they do. So, so it's not even worth mentioning. You're saying you want to go on vacation. You want to go to concerts. You want to go to this. You want to go to Bali. You want to go to Disney world. Okay. I don't care. Like that's awesome. Go. And also eat your chicken meal, you know? Um, Otherwise don't compete. And so a lot of those, a lot of those people, they have this fantasy that they're going to be able to juggle um, a really enriched um, lifestyle with, lots of you know interesting things happening yeah. with the idea that they're going to be starving and eating prosaic food you know and, yeah and, and you're going to be the one who's going to tell them how to do that as well how, yeah, how am i going to do that <laughs> yeah that's the you idea know? yeah so so there's th- those are definitely those are impossible that's an impossible client um but the vast majority of people who don't get results are the ones who are don't competing because um they're more likely to indulge in food that's just the basic. They might train really, really hard, you know, and they might make substantive um, improvements in muscle quality, muscle density, but they're never going to get really, really ripped and, and really get in shape unless they decide they're going to diet like that. And how many people are going to diet like that if they're not competing? Yeah, very there's serious. a few. There's a few, but there's not many. Um, so I'm going to go with um, off-season clients are harder to get results from, but contest prep clients are a lot more work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll give you sort of my thoughts on that with the few people that I've um, coached to compete. Um, in, in general with the clients who don't compete again, a lot of them being essentially from the ground up, I'm having to teach them how to do meal planning. I teach them how to do the macro, teach them how to do everything that can tend to be quite challenging mainly because you end up with always this, this underreporting issue again. And a lot of them are fat loss clients because in general people they don't move as much as they should and they eat more than they think they are. And so oh, getting, them, getting them to sort of appreciate that is becomes very, very difficult. And that ends up being quite a difficult conversation because if you can imagine you have, you know, a, a woman, a guy saying to you, Hey, I'm eating, you know, 1300 calories a day. I'm not losing any weight. I'm trying as hard as I can. And they, and they fully believe they're trying as hard as they can. And you have to say to them, turn around and go, look, you're not eating that much. You're probably eating 2,500 calories. I find yeah. for myself that can be quite a draining conversation. Like I find personally that can be quite draining because you're having to tell, guess, you're not I telling them. I'm more that, blunt than you. I, I'm, I'm more yeah. blunt in those situations. I'm like, I just blurt out. That's impossible. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it is, we all know it is. Anyone that, that does this knows it's impossible. Um, what I tell them to do is to get a Fitbit or an Apple watch and, and track their steps, track all their steps and send me the log. And invariably they're doing, six to 8,000 steps max. And they're, and then I'm like, okay, getting them to track food is more difficult. So I just tell them to start sending pictures of meals. Now, granted they could eat other stuff that's not in the pictures of the meals, but then they know they're lying. Well, this is the thing. This is where I think our clients sort of differ a little bit. Like I get a lot more of that and that becomes quite draining. I'm quite happy to be blunt. I'm people who know me in person. I'm a very blunt person, but then it's a case of you teach them how to do it you can even show them to how to do yeah. meal prep. They'll do meal prep for a week. Then they'll yeah. be like, okay, I got this. Go back to eating what they think is like 600 calories a day and still hardly losing any weight. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? You know, yeah. that was just, we're a, not, we're that was just a waste of my week. 
Um, yeah. And that then becomes quite draining because you're like, look, I'm literally, did, we went through this, you know. Um, I, th- I think a lot of these people have two different switches. They can either eat like they always have, like shit, or they can eat to a plan. They're, it, at least in the initial stages, they don't actually have the ability to be fl- uh, flexible. And I, I, that's starting to come to light with me now in terms of the people I coach. I see. So you're saying like they're not going to be flexible within the plan. They're either going to be on the plan or they're going to be wildly off of it. Uh, yeah, I think they only have two switches. It's a case of I'm going to eat like I always have or I'm going to be completely on this exact prescriptive approach. So I, I've actually had to change my opinion on this over the years, Alex, because I never used to want to give out meal plans, but I've ended up giving out more and more precisely for this reason, because of the types of clients that I get to come through, they only really know one way of eating, which is eating like shit. They don't actually have even so much as a, I mean, I have clients coming to me who who have no meal schedule at all it's a case of i'm going to snack all day have a meal at night and that's my schedule you know yeah yeah so for them they need an actual meal plan so i've had to change my mind on that over the years and um at least in the initial stages it gives them the beginnings of something they can then work with as it right yeah i i I think i'll stick to my answer just because i'm not going to last very long with any of those people it's just not, <laughs> yeah. not going to work. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 they can be taxing, but um, I think when, when we get it right, and I have got it right with quite a few of them, and they see it long term and you're on their case, it's quite gratifying to get the results. Yeah, so, I believe it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Um, let's move on to the next one. So this is an interesting one. What's harder, off-season or contest prep coaching? I think the reason, the reason, I, the reason I find this interesting, I just want to preface this, is because I, you'll probably find like I do a lot of people will come to you for the contest prep they won't do the off season with you um, yeah with the assumption that off season is going to be easy so it'd be nice to hear your opinion on this it's much harder to make um, impressive off season gains after you've done a couple of shows and you're you're intermediate much 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 harder so you know you're gonna see you see a lot of it you see guys actually right now I have a couple people that are I've seen prepping that I'm not, I'm not prepping and they, I didn't prep them for their last off season, but I did for a couple seasons before um, where they made, they went from a hundred and, you know, like lightweight, middleweight range into the light, heavy, heavyweight range and went to the top of the class in that area, but then just stayed there and then left, got really heavy and then came back into the show looking no different or no better necessarily than they were in the past. And I think part of that is um, programming in the off season and how difficult it can be to do right when you're at that stage. I think when you're in a, in a beginner stage, off season is really easy. Yeah. You, can do, you can do a lot of things right by eating a lot of food and training really hard. Okay. You can, you can really, and then you can, the, the next thing, the next kind of intermediate stage before you get into like the expert intermediate you can kind of pick out body parts that need work and fine tune the diet and still stay in that eating a ton of food and training really hard phase and make improvements. But then when you get past that and you want to get to like pro level stuff um, to get, to get the size and the density and the muscle condition and stay and stay proportionate or become more proportionate is a very hard task. Yeah. Your off-season matters a lot, and that's a lot harder than just stripping off fat is. I'm, I'm super glad you gave that answer because this is, you know, as you get more experience as a coach, you learn to sort of look out for what other coaches are doing and, and where they're doing well, where they're not doing so well. This is something I found in the UK quite a lot. There are a lot of coaches who are quite good at getting people down to contest shape. 
you know, reasonable yeah. shape. Maybe not absolutely shredded, but reasonable shape. And, you know, it's a straightforward system. You cut calories, you find ways of, of enabling them to cut calories and increase the expenditure. But what I don't see that often is quick coaches who are good at putting muscle on people in the off season. Because right. I, think, I think a lot of them, they don't really understand what hard training is. They don't understand what training to failure is. And right. they, don't, they don't get that. And I think people are coaches, some coaches can be very good at um, shredding people down. But in terms of putting on muscle, I don't see it because I don't know what it's like in, in the UK, but in, in, sorry, in America, but in the UK, a lot of coaches seem to have this absolute obsession with like bands and like just bullshit routines. And I pay no attention to it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that, which goes on. And I, I sent, I sent five stuff. I tend to find a lot of those guys, they don't really, yeah, JP stuff, yeah. Except I do, yeah. Like, J, I do like JP, but there's a lot of knockoffs. But I tend yeah. to find a lot of those coaches, they, they don't, they're not particularly great at putting muscle on people, unless it's lots of drugs and lots of SEOs. Yeah, I mean, just taking drugs and slamming food is not going to do it. Right. Um, you know, there, you have to pay specific attention to, I, I mean, I was talking to a guy yesterday, and I was like, all right, so if you don't get your shoulder rotation back, you're screwed. You will not have any more pec detail, pec mass. Your shoulders will start to lag. Your arms will start to lag. And then because of that, everything happening there, you, your, your back will start to lag. You will never, ever get there if you don't have flexibility in your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Completely ignored me. <laughs> I did not want to hear that at all. Because it's like, okay, you want to do PT. You're going to need to do PT. You're going to need to like lay on the ground and, 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 and stretch. And you're going to have to do it almost daily. And they're like, okay, yeah, 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 but whatever. But what about this other thing? And I'm like, you're not listening. So I've had that conversation with people a number of times. You know, same thing with TVA training. Your waist is going to suck in three or four years if you keep eating this way and you don't train your waist. Mm. It's going to suck. You know how I know? Because mine sucks. And that's what I did. Like, that's, it's, a, it's my playbook. You know, I made that mistake. So a lot of that stuff, um, it's really tough to, to coach in the off season because it takes as much effort as it does in the, in the contest season. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not easy to get really, really good at bodybuilding, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as like the difficulties in contest prep, I think a lot of that's set up by your off season. Yeah. If you're doing your off season correctly, you're going to be eating so much clean food that you get into your prep period and you're still eating lots of food, mm-hmm. you know? Like I have uh, uh, Joe coming into the show in five weeks and this morning he's like, um, it still doesn't feel like it's gotten really hard. And he's like, you know, we haven't changed the diet in two weeks. I'm still eating 300 grams of carbs, you know, every day. And with refeeds, whenever, you know, whenever I drop another two pounds, he's just basically like, um, he said his words were, I'm excited for what it's going to be like when I feel bad. And I'm <laughs> thinking, well, I don't know if it's going to, but it probably will. I mean, you're probably going to feel it in a couple weeks. You know, the, your body fat gets gets low enough, you, you're going to feel it. Um, but the point was, we got him up to like 900, 1,000 grams of carbs. He was eating clean all off season. He was having treats on top of the clean food and staying lean. That's That makes for an easy prep. That's why he's in shape. You know, if you ignore that entire thing and show up to a coach eating 300 grams of carbs already and fat, how exactly are you going to get ripped? One of, the, one of the things that I like about your – um, coaching and you cons- you consistently do this really really well so it'd be nice to get your opinion on this your guys put on a lot of mass in the off season like actual lean tissue and i know you value training hard uh and you place that really really higher on your hierarchy so what is it that you're doing with these guys in terms of training really hard and what are your thoughts on other coaches in terms of you know just just basically training hard i don't know what anyone else is doing 
Um, I pay less and less attention to, I used to buy Jansen's plans and mountain dogs plans and, yeah. and read them through. And after a while I was like, yeah, these are cool. And they mean nothing. Um, because you can't say to somebody train intensely, right? You like, you can't really explain it to somebody unless you see them doing it. So I tell them to take videos of them training and then I go, wow, you just left five reps on the table. Yeah. You know, yep. Yep. that's yep. what, that's what I'm doing. And I'm looking at them. I'm going, okay, well your form here is brutally bad. You're, you're going way too heavy. Do this, do this, do this. And then send me another video. And then I go, okay, now you're doing it right, but you're leaving reps. Is that your final set? Cause you're leaving reps on the table. Yeah. Yep. You know, so that's how I kind of pinpoint the training. I'm, I'm looking at what they're doing. I, um, yeah, I, I, fix it. I do the exact same thing. I had a client come to me recently who uh, was with a pre with another coach previously. And uh, he sent me a set of leg presses and I said, how many reps did you think you had left? And he said, oh, I probably had two reps left, but he clearly yeah. had, he clearly had like 10 reps left. Literally Alex, it was that easy. And uh, I'd, uh, I said, uh, from now on, we're not, do taking any we're not leaving any reps behind i want you to go to what you think is failure and i want you to push really really hard because i felt like i almost had to retrain this guy on how to train to failure because his previous coach just wasn't doing that like he, he just i'm not saying you have to go to failure but or, or I, ignored I, it yeah yeah or ignored it but what, what i wasn't saying he has to go to failure but what i mean is he he didn't have an idea of where failure was so he didn't couldn't really have an idea of where two reps from failure was i've had people tell me oh that's not how flex wheeler trained and I'm like, okay, well, you're not flex. You're not flex wheeler, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Take a look in the mirror. I mean, what do you see? That's like flex. Yeah. So, yeah. So training is high on, on, on the priority list, but I think also, um, the, the diet has to be consistent. Well, one of the things that I do and Ollie will tell you this, so mm. he takes it better than some others. Um, you know, some other people kind of start to grumble and gripe, but, um, as soon as they start to get too fat, I pull them back. Yeah. And I don't want them, you know, I don't want them remaining in that state for too long because that's where, that's where you run into issues. Yes. Um, so I pull them back and we, we kind of restart, we start over and I don't call it recomping because when you, I, th I feel like when you start to tell people they're recomping, they think they're going to be recomping for like eight weeks. And they take the foot off the gas in the gym, I find as well. They just think in their mind, like there's, this is some stage that they're in and it has nothing yeah. to do with that. I'm just no. trying to clean up the lines. Yeah. get them get them sensitive to food yeah. and then and then we then we push a little harder as far as as far as gear goes um i've told you this before the longer i do this the more simple it gets yeah. um with androgenic stuff i'll titrate up and then take it out and then with anabolics i'll keep it pretty pretty steady the whole way um and i don't use a lot of orals in the off season almost none mm -hmm. um so it's it's really coming down to i'm just monitoring like somewhat looking at their condition, blood glucose. Um, I don't really take that as the end all be all because some people's regular blood glucose is higher than others to begin with. Um, but we do, we do look at it and you know, so how much, if they need insulin, if they're using GH, if they need insulin, how much tests we, sh we should be using based on those factors. Um, but to be honest, if you're in a, if you're using a super physiological dose of dose of testosterone, I mean, Cito said this, he said, he said it in, in a way that's kind of funny is he says, if you, if you can't grow on 600 milligrams of test, you suck at bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, that's not that much, mm. but I kind of agree with the same. He's got a, he's got a point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with the sentiment, which is like, you should not be falling apart if you're on 600 milligrams of test. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You shouldn't be like, I need more. I need more. I need more. You should be able to like maintain whatever level of muscularity you have on that. Mm -hmm. And then, so there's like just a little bit of a push above that should be able to get you to where you want to go. And if you're a, if you're a world-class athlete, yeah, yeah. A lot of those guys are using two grams of test. That's pretty standard. Um, but that's, you're talking about 270, 280 pound guys. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of the guys we're talking about are 220, 230 pounds or less, yeah, yeah or less. And mm. so you're looking at, you know, and they're telling you, oh, "I'm a hard gainer. I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't respond well." This, all this other stuff, and it's like, uh, I doubt it. Yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll tell you this, Alex. Um, long, long, long time ago, sort of 20 years ago, I was part of the hard gainer forums. I was, I was actually a writer for, for them. And um, the biggest excuse a lot of them had was genetics. But the, the basic thing was, and I, I still see them. So 20 years back, uh, I can go back to the forum and still see the same guys who have made zero progress in that time. They don't mess with anabolics, but essentially none of them have made any kind of gains in 20 years. And it's not because of being a hard gain. It's simply because they don't know how to train. They don't know how to eat. And I tend to well, find also that because they've told themselves they're not going to make any gains. Absolutely, yeah. And I tend, I tend to find that even guys on anabolics still give themselves that excuse to kind of fall back on. Um, and then, but I, but I just don't see that the training and the diet is the fundamental part of it. And the longer I'm doing this, the more I realize that that's really what needs to be in place. And I think I've had a lot of people tell me that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same situation going back to those forums. It's just it's the mentality and the fact they just don't know what they're doing. And yeah, uh, yeah it's a big thing. I've had a lot of people tell me that, that, that I, I seem to grow people in the off season. And honestly, I don't really know what I'm doing different from anybody else. Um, you guys train hard. That's what you're doing. I, I guess. Yeah. Which is, no, no, I, I get that because I see it and I, that's what I do with my guys. And I will point out if one of my guys is like wussing out in his training, you know, say if I've got somebody with good, who's got good bodybuilding goals, he wants to achieve something, he wants to put on like 10 pounds of muscle. And I've put on 10 pounds of muscle on natural clients in a year before. And that's a lot of muscle for a natural guy. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of training hard, you know, it's got, it's got to be done. So I know what I'm looking for. But then I look across at other coaches and I see, well, there's a huge emphasis on drugs, huge emphasis on SEOs. Their guys don't look like they're training particularly, particularly hard at all. That, that's a problem. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's that's not bodybuilding. Yeah, it's not bodybuilding. Exactly, exactly. It's not bodybuilding. Awesome. So um, I think we can both agree that um, potentially off season is, is a little bit more challenging. I think uh, gaining lean tissue. Yeah, is at, a a point, at a certain at point. At a certain point, point. It's definitely harder. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move on to the next one because I find I've got a couple of things to say about this because I've had a, a couple of problem clients this year. What do you consider a problem client? Um. <laughs> 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 these are always my favorite ones uh, <laughs> yeah they, they always make for a good story i always have good stories um <laughs> i don't know that i'm going to tell any specific story i might if i think of one but <laughs> i think the toughest ones are are people that are that are looking for advice from everyone yeah um and they, they're not they're not emotionally healthy and because they're always having up and downs doubts uh concerns you know and then also like you know like they're they're asking somebody how they look and they say you know, great. Cause everyone says great. And then they go, okay, well, what should I be doing different? And they go, Oh, all of these things. And they give them 10 things. Well, if you look great, why are you telling them to do 10 different things? And then, and then they come back and say, they don't say I talked to so-and-so and they think I should do this. What they say is, um, 
do you think I should be doing this, this, and this? And I know immediately they've talked to somebody because no, I don't think that. Why would I think that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Just follow the goddamn plan. It doesn't mean that they're, this other person's way is wrong. It just means it's not the way I do it. Yeah. You know, if you want to take a different approach and you don't like my approach anymore, I completely get that. I really yeah. do. Yeah, if I mean, they, it's, it's different methods. Say, I think I need to take a different approach. I go, God bless you. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely, you're right. I mean, listen, if you're trying to break a cake, you don't take the instructions for a cupcake and say, should I be doing this? You just bake the goddamn cake with the instructions. So it's not that it's wrong. It's just a different, it's a completely different so thing. You can't mix I them try up. To, I try to look at those questions objectively and see like, yeah, maybe that would be a good way of going about it. But mm. when it comes, it comes to me like kind of dishonestly and I can tell that it's, it's been like planted. Yeah. Um, then I, I start to think that person has a problem with um, with what we're doing. He has a problem with, you know, um, talking to me honestly about it. And the worst thing about it is a lot of these guys say, I trust you. You're the best, all this stuff. And I don't want to hear any of that shit. I just want to, I want to hear what you really feel. I feel I'm behind. People tell me that all the time. I feel I'm behind. And I go, okay, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Let's look at it. Let's see what we can do. Or they'll tell me, I had a guy tell me, I think we're ahead. I'm, I'm worried about, you know, burning out. And I go, okay, <laughs> let's look at this, you know, cause, cause burnouts happened. You know, I've, I've, I've experienced quite a bit of burnout now where I see people lose steam and, or get sick. Just happened with chainsaw this year. He got, he got pneumonia three weeks out. Um, you know, he, he, unfortunately for, for chainsaw, he doesn't have any other gears other than brap. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the gear. So it's like, okay, you know, rip through it. And I was like, ah, I don't know. How are you feeling? And he's like, fucking, I'm standing up. I'm good. You know? So, but some people are, you know, some people are vocal. Most people are not vocal about those things. And they'll just kind of come to you with other people's ideas. And you go, uh, I don't know. Hey, do you think we should turn clan up to 120 micrograms? No, I fucking don't. <laughs> yeah. No, I really don't. Hey, what do you think about DMP? I, I, I think, I think it, it'll burn a lot of fat. What do you want me to tell you? You know? Like, do I think it's a good idea? No, because it's not on your plan. I would have put it there if I thought it was a good idea, you know? So those, those are the worst. Um, other than that, just the circling back to miscommunication and lying about stuff is, is there's just no place for it in the relationship. You should be able to just tell, tell people what you're doing, hmm. you know, like I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to fix um, the holes, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but that's, right. I mean, that's kind of a short, short subject. I have a long, uh, a long list of stories that I could tell you about that. But you know, I, I don't that, really, that, I think that what I consider a problem client are the ones that was dishonesty. Yeah. That could be a podcast in itself. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll share, I'll share with you. Be, I have to write it down though. I'll share with you an example of my own, uh, from this year. And this is a little bit different, but it was, it was a disappointment for me because, um, so I took on the client, uh, probably 18 months ago. And uh, he was your typical skinny fat, very little muscle on him, had a belly on him, just looked distinctly yeah. unimpressive. Uh, didn't know how to train, didn't know how to eat, didn't really do anything. Took him from that to then being this, you know, jacked abs year round, big guy, put on a lot of muscle, all that kind of stuff. And he was one of my, he was a client who, he, I took him on at a fairly low rate. Um, and I think this was actually part of the problem. I don't think he actually appreciated the information that I was giving him. And he, uh, yeah. he, he consistently undervalued it. And it got to the point where he was, uh, he was sort of, he would call me and, and text me a lot, far more than any other client who's paying the least <laughs> and taking the most of my time. 
And uh, then he was just he was just really taking the piss with just how much he just he wasn't really appreciating the service and he's constantly moaning about money even though he's paying the least of all my clients. And so I, he didn't really get it. And so in the end, I actually in the end, I actually let him go. And I said, look, you know, I'm going to end our coach-client relationship because I just don't yeah. think you're really appreciating what's this. You're constantly moaning about money. You're constantly late with money. And uh, it came through in the conversation that he just he yeah, he still didn't actually. Um, realized the value of what I'd given to him. Uh, right. And that, that was personally very disappointing because I put a lot of time into this client. And uh, he, you know, I, I, we, we were friends in as much as you can be friends with your client of, of that sort of time. Who puts, yep. that le- who puts that level of strain on you? So it was personally quite a big disappointment for me because I thought I've given this guy so much and in the end he still doesn't see it. Yeah. And um, so that was personally quite a disappointment. And he left and, uh, you know, he said, you know, I didn't mean any disrespect or anything like that. I said, well, you know, what? at this point, the damage is done. I don't really want to speak to him again. But that was a personal disappointment because I transformed him from just looking like your average gym rat uh, yeah. to, to what, to, you know, wherever he went, he was the center of attention. I, I have and, a few I, of those. And yeah. uh, that, that really sucked for me. Yeah. I, I have a few of those. I have... One of the first clients I ever had that kind of put me on the map when we were on the GH15 forum um, was a guy that I met. I walked into the gym and he was training with these two old guys and he was going all out. Like he was looking like Franco Colombo on the floor, just, you know, doing, doing rows off the floor with the, with the cables and just going hard. And these guys were, would they be doing like full splits before their workouts and stuff. Like they were old school. Yeah. And I, I saw this kid, he, he stood up, he turned around and I was like, Oh, he can compete. He can do really well. So I went over to him and I was, and I, and I was like fat as shit at the time. And I just walked over. <laughs> to him. I was like, Hey, you should be competing. Um, you need like one year. And he was like, okay, fat guy. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so I like walked to my car and I was like, wow, I just didn't really realize what that must've looked like to him. Yeah. So sure. I, I went, went home, like at the time, there, I didn't have Instagram or anything. It was like 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, I didn't have Instagram or anything, so I just went home and I grabbed my Polaroids of my contest and I went back and waited for him because I lived like two minutes away from the gym at the time. And he came out and I was like, and I handed it to him and he was like, who's this? And I was like, that's me. And I was your age. Yeah. And he, was like, he was like, oh shit. And all of a sudden he's looking at me and I'm like, that, that, that's you next year. And he's like, oh shit. And I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, what time do you train? I'm like, what time do you train? So the whole next year, long story short, he went from Calvin Klein looking model to light heavyweight champion. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then, and I never charged him a penny. I just told him what to do, mm-hmm. you know, and he, and he would eat at my house and I would, you know, everything just, yeah. I just took care of the guy. We became really good friends. And then after, uh, the second show, he just kind of ghosted me and I, I had moved away. So I was like a half hour away mm-hmm. for like a little while. He'd come and see me, but then he just stopped. And, uh, and then he was just kind of being rude and I was like, all right, I don't get it. And once in a while I'll see him show up to a show looking no better than he ever did then. Yeah. And, and, uh, and being really pissed off when he gets second, you know, and just kind of storming out the back of the building. That's what happened the last time I saw him. And I actually texted him all the pictures I took of him because I thought he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, you look pretty good, man. Like, here's your pictures. He didn't even answer. I was just like, this piece of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. that was one. And then the other one was much more recently, a couple of years ago, um, that I'm, that's on the tip of my mind, was a, was a client near you. And uh, I saw him on the forums, and I was like, you should be competing. Mm-hmm. I, I hit him in the DMs. And I wasn't even trying to, like, coach him. I was just like, you need to be – you need to get your shit serious and start competing. You have the goods. 
Okay. And, uh, and he was like, okay, uh, would you coach me? And I was like, sure, here's my rates. He's like, I have no money. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do this for you just to show you, you can do it. You know, it was stupid because he was sponsored by, for gear. So he got all his gear free, okay. um, lived with his mother and, you know, she paid for his food. And anyway, he, he, he got on stage, did really well, still competes all this stuff. And then as soon as I was years later, when he, when he was like financially stable, two years after coaching him of coaching him, I, I was like, okay, um, it's not fair for me to continue not charging you and be charging other people. Yeah. Um, I did this because I saw the potential in you and I still do. And I think I can bring you really far. And he was like, ah, I'll let you know. And then that was the end of it. And then he went and hired some other coach like a year later. Yeah. And it was just like, like you said, it was like, he never would have gotten on stage. He never, maybe he would have, but he wouldn't have done it when he did. He wouldn't have gotten as far as he did and he wouldn't have been as far along if he didn't, you know, take the coaching and then just didn't value it because he wasn't paying for it. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it was, it was stupid. It was like, ah, I shouldn't be making that mistake. So I, I try not to make it anymore. And the funny thing is, is that other people will come to me who have always paid me and say, I don't have any, like, I'm really short on money. I got a lot of expenses right now. I have to suspend coaching and I'll like literally tell them, I don't care pay me whenever you can. Don't worry about it. And they're yeah. like, no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I'm like, no, really, I don't want you to fall behind. I want you to continue making progress. Like just keep going. Yeah. I, I had one of the, I had one of those today. He's an ex, he's actually an ex colleague of mine and he wanted a plan and he said, can he sort of, you know, split the payments? And I was like, fine, it's fine. I'll give you whatever you need. Just pay me when you can. It's not, it's yeah, not exactly. It's like, yeah, I, for people like that, I feel like at some point it's going to, what goes around, you know, goes around, comes around. It's like yeah. a karma thing. So. I think I think so. I think yeah. I think for him, I don't think he realised what he was getting. Um, and it, yeah, it's a shame. But I, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't be as emotionally involved as I am. But you do tend to be as a coach because that's part of right. your job. Yeah, I think that's that's actually something we should talk. I don't know if there's a question in here about that, but um, the emotional involvement, like the perk side of it, is is this a good time for that? I don't know. Yeah, we can do that. What, what I was going to suggest was actually we, uh, because we've been on for an hour and we're only halfway through the questions. <laughs> so I think if, okay. we, if we cover this part and then perhaps do a part two uh, next week uh, to, okay. to get yeah, all the rest. So, so let's, let's finish with a nice segment about this emotional aspect and we'll call it and we'll do the rest later. Okay, what are, what are we at here? So uh, you, you were going to talk about uh, sort of the emotional aspect of sort of investing in your client and the difficulty. Uh, yeah. That. So... Yeah, that's that's actually when it's I reached big, out to you. This one, that was that was the the reason I I was reaching out to you to do this podcast mm -hmm. was uh, I've been thinking a lot about that recently, which is like what is it to be a coach, right? And is it like is it purely to get the results when they tell you here's my goals and you're and you're going to drive for those goals and get those results, or is there more of a responsibility to their emotional and mental health? Yeah. Um, and something I've I've come into contact with much more often now that I've been paying more attention to people, you know, in the last few years uh, as individuals for a while, it was like, I'd have friendships and stuff, but I was really hard driving and tough, tough on people. Yeah. Um, but recently I've seen people have some pretty difficult life experiences and things come up and it starts to quite the question in my mind is, is my role better served to help them emotionally handle or mentally handle the problems they're having through their food, through their diet, through their things, mm -hmm. uh, as much or more than it is just to get results. Mm -hmm. um, and I get really, really invested in people. Um, 
on, on a personal level. It's, I wouldn't call it necessarily a friendship because it can be, it can overlap with a friendship, but a lot of times it's just, I want to be of value to them. It's almost a mentor type of role, a life coach. Yeah. And I've never thought I'd be a life coach. No, no, neither did I. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's, it's, weird, not, it's it? not what I'm setting out to do here. No. But I find myself more and more, and in my own personal life uh, of late, I find myself searching for, um, uh, how, do, how do I put it? Searching for a, a more personal relationship with myself and mm. being more in tune with myself and emotional health and all that stuff, mm. which in the past I've been pretty negligent of, you know, or at least I've just been like, um, like kind of a glutton for punishment and not really, not really pay attention to my own happiness. Yeah. So I started doing that for myself. And then I started thinking about my clients more like, is, is this like, I've seen people at shows being miserable, yeah. you know, and I'm thinking, is this the right thing for them? Yeah. Am I even helping them or am I hurting them? You know? Um, and so that, that all kind of comes around into like, um, post-show where why they disappear why it's stressful all that stuff and, and i and so i've started really thinking about how i can make the experience a positive one all the way through so that they're they leave thinking wow i really i achieved something rather than wow i, I fucking got through that yeah you know yeah. Yeah. um and that's that's kind of an important distinction right i i believe so i think i i've probably i think due to the type of clients that i work with and also probably due to my own working background as well i've come to those crossroads a lot quicker because i I do, I found myself over the course of the last, as I've grown as a coach, I do become a lot more um, invested into the client's lifestyle. So yeah. you, you sort of gave the example previously of, um, you know, if you're going to go away on a cruise, et cetera, just don't fucking tell me about it, stick to the plan. Okay, that, right. kind of, that, that kind of stuff I agree with. But I think if it's a case of, look, I'm going to have to go off plan because something's happened, or I, I'm finding it difficult to stick to the plan because of X, Y, and Z circumstances, I do try and work with the client as much as possible now. And I end up looking at life factors and how we kind of, how things kind of, you know, go take part right. into the, how, how we can actually let them stick, how we can let them stick to the plan rather than just saying stick to the fucking plan. And I think that's probably the hardest part of my job, I would say. So, like I realize that there's an absolute uh, contradiction in in those two things, right? Saying, telling yeah. somebody, "I don't care where you're going, just stick to the plan," versus caring about their emotional health. Yes. I think I need to make the clarification here that in the previous example, it's uh, a personality type of somebody who's not trying. Yeah. Right. So. Yes. For, yes. 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 For me to get them to try. Uh, is to show no deference for them wanting to do these other things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to kind of point out to them that they were the ones who stated the goal and they're not sure. trying, you know, they're not, they're not working towards it. I think, so, in, I think in that circumstance, it's more self-inflicted. Whereas I think what we're talking about now is it's more a case of things outside their control are making things difficult for them to stick to the plan. And are you trying to work with them to enable them to do so? Is that right? Yeah, that, but also like, let's say let's say you get somebody that sticks to the plan is getting results but they're vastly unhappy yes they're unhappy be they're unhappy because it's taking away from their personal time with their family or it's taking away from their their ability to sit down and read at night and because that's what they prefer to be doing than you know starving and prep and meal prepping um it's it's pulling away from things they could be doing with their loved ones yeah um and it's hurting them right 100 percent. yeah definitely so that's 
and people always talk about it, you, what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to sacrifice and all of that stuff. Right. And you, you look at it as like some, some sort of badge of honor, but, but the, for the most people, for the most part, people that are doing this are not doing it for money and they're doing it for their own satisfaction. And if that's how they feel about it, then it's, you know, something has to change. Yes. If they're going to, if they're going to sustain continuing to do it. So that's kind of what I've looked at. That's, that's kind of where I've, um, maybe I talk to people a lot more about things to do with, um, with their meditation or with their time, with their, you know, time management, with their, uh, the way they food prep in order to get things done faster. Um, you know, just, just kind of plan your life out a little bit differently and, and, and look at it from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's not always it's not always you know easy to do. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of a, a prep with one client at the moment, and uh, it's been a particularly trying prep for him due to circumstances outside of his control. So as much as I want to say stick to the goddamn plan, a lot of it has been outside of his control. So I've been working with him quite a lot to enable him to still be on track because he wants to do it. It's just yeah. still circumstances are making it very troublesome. And, and that's really the type of thing that I find I'm having to do a lot more of. And I, to be honest, though, Alex, I think that's part of being a good coach. I, I really do. Because that's not just saying, well, here are the fucking numbers. Stick to them. You're actually helping them to stick to the numbers. And I think yeah. that, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm just like kind of focused on um, – people's happiness <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right moment. yeah it's, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of where i'm at in the, at the moment because yeah uh it's it's really tough to start to care about somebody's well-being and then see that they're unhappy with it yes yeah. and, and so i think i think you have to strike the right balance because ultimately they're also going to be happy with the end result as well so that's you've true. got to you've got to strike that balance but um yeah it's um it's really a big part of it i've been talking this to my, with my um with my brother my older brother and uh, just been telling him it's a lot of it is very life coach esque, and I never yeah. really thought I'd be doing that. And so I, but I find it fascinating. And a, a lot of times people then end up seeing you as more of a mentor type rather than just hey, he's my nutrition coach. It's much more than that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've been working a lot more on um, in my in my printing business that I was telling you about hmm. um, because we're because we're expanding and taking on partnerships, and there's a lot of new new people, and most of them are younger than me. I'm actually the oldest out of the group of people. So there's a bunch of 30 somethings and me, the elderly 40 year old um, <laughs> venturing into this, this space together. And I've been like really focused on leadership role and how to get people to perform at their best. Um, and it's something I've never done before. Mm. So I, I've never really thought of myself as a mentor or uh, a, a leader of a, a life coach or any of that. So, but as I've been working on that, it's been kind of coming into the coaching aspects. So, yeah. Um, I think just naturally it starts to blend in. I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's definitely uh, an interesting sort of challenge. I think one of the earliest examples I had of that was, my, I don't, he won't mind me saying this, but my client Mark, we had a particularly challenging year and it was a year that we put on the most amount of muscle on him. Um, so he'd been training since wow. he was 18 and he was like 26 at the time. And we, we managed to slap on 12 pounds of stage weight on, onto him wow. in one year. And he's natural. Like it was a wow. brilliant year. 
Uh, and I'll, I'll, and I did say on the transformation that look, this is not normal. Like this is, this isn't normal progress. I like, don't expect this to happen. But it happened specifically because he'd been underfeeding himself for a long period of time. His training wasn't particularly great. So, but he had he had good potential. So I slapped on a lot of uh, stage weight. We put on, I think in total it was probably about thirty actual pounds, and stripped off it was about twelve pounds of stage weight. But that was a tremendous year. But psychologically, it was very, very difficult for him, very challenging. And I yeah. was, at the time, I was just like, dude, this is what needs to be done. Let's get it done. And he was great. Like, he was like, okay, I'll do it. But it definitely put a strain on him. And afterwards, he came off the other side. And for a long period of time, he just was really put off a lot of training. So he was training three times a week. He was still uh -huh. with me. He did, he did actually leave for a short period of time. Then he came back. Uh, and he's still with me now. But um, we... With his approach now, I'm, I, take into his, I take his psychological and mental state and also his, his responsibilities at home a lot more serious because I know yes. that's going to affect him in the future. And I think he's a really good example of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have, I, have, I have a lot of that with Chris, with Chainsaw. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, we had a really good year for putting on mass again. Mm -hmm. And he did it with a short off-season because of injury. Um, but now it's like to get to get hit him to the pro level from where he is now is with another baby on the way and you know just just you know working the way he works is like 26 days 27 days a month yeah um, it's you know it's it's going to take perfect programming execution and the right amount of rest for him to be able to do that yeah um you know, so it's like the managing of all that and, and, and him being happy with it because maybe there's a point where he's like, this isn't worth it. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen this year because he's, he's really good and he's that close, but there's going to be a point sometime probably when he's like, it's too much. Like it's, it's a lot of strain. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money, you know? Yeah, sure. So Yep, for sure. So, do you want to stop here? And, and yeah, I was going to say we. Yeah, I was going to say we stop here. We've actually got an additional five questions, but uh, I think we've had a good long uh, hour of this. So, what we'll do is we'll pick it up uh, probably next weekend if you're free, and uh, we'll put this out Sounds now. Good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, right, good um, all right, uh, Alex. Thank you very much for that. I'm going to stop the recording. So, thank you all for tuning in. Leave us some good reviews on iTunes, by the way. I need some reviews there, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.